So, David, I know you're a big music fan. Have you seen the um, the documentary about the Go-Go's? No, I haven't, but you've mentioned that one to me before. You're probably wondering why I'm asking you about them. So there, you know, there's the, the famous story about the Beatles being in Frankfurt and how they played all these concerts, and that's how they really came together as a band. And for the Go-Go's, it turns out, they did a tour of Great Britain with Madness. And I don't know if you remember the ska band Madness, but... Um, as a result of that tour, that's where they really sort of found their voice, came together as a band, um, had a lot of initial success, started to cross over because they were originally more of a punk act. And so they sort of incorporated some of the ska sound. I just thought that was interesting. And you know why I'm, I'm using the, why the word madness uh, appeals to me today. Yes, oh, absolutely. We have been in a state of madness, particularly in the regulatory world right now. So why don't we start off with some of my favorite um, acronyms, which you'll have to explain for us. But ESRD, PPS, Tapones, how do you how do you want to break that down for us? <laughs> you and I both have the same, um, I think, basic aversion to these uh, the alphabet soup that comes out of the government and healthcare, but we have to deal with it. So I guess we start with, I think you should tell everyone the, your favorite one, CMS, and the question that is always on your mind about CMS. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and it always bothers me that either they clearly aren't dropping the Medicare, which means that it's the Medicaid that doesn't get sort of incorporated in the acronym, and that just that just bugs me. I can't explain why. Well, it, it doesn't make sense. CMS for, it should be CMMS. So anyway, so CMS regulates pretty much all things, uh, particularly all things nephrology, uh, in, if you're dealing with kidney failure. So every year they do a, a, a rule, which is ESRD for end-stage renal disease, PPS for prospective payment system, and QIP, which is the quality incentive program. And they, they, these two programs have been wrapped together to kind of um, to determine how uh, CMS pays for things in the dialysis facility or in the dialysis realm, um, both, to the, both to the nephrologist and to the facility. And also the QIP in particular part of it also is really where a lot of the metrics for the quality that's in, in facilities is really measured. So um, that's where you get like, you know, you, you get your ratings, like star ratings for facilities are in the, all bound up in those. So that's enough alphabet soup. So we go into the real big one, the Taponis or Tippanies. That's it. So everybody probably, you know, I'm pretty sure all of our listeners all know the details of the bundle. Uh, if you're in nephrology, you know the nephrology bundle, dialysis bundle, what's in there. Well, you know, and I know I've heard you say this before, Todd. You, you've said the, if you really want to kill innovation in a space, create a bundle. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the thing we don't really talk about, but if you have a capitated payment, um, then you're lessening the incentive for innovation simply because um, there's not the opportunity to generate revenue, you know, and, and ultimately profit off that innovation in, a, in the capitated environment. So, um, you know, I do think it's something when we talk about, you know, the concept of Medicare for all, you know, I do think um, people do have to look at this sort of bundle payment structure and sort of how the Medicare ESRD program is, is um organized because it really is a, for a patient population, it really is Medicare for all. And again, I'm not making a political judgment here at all. It's just, you know, the reality of, of how, you know, how the, the alignment of incentives and, and funding tends to drive everything in healthcare and health policy. 
I couldn't agree more. This is one of those times where policy may sound dry or whatever, but it has really on the ground effects. So you get the bundle because Congress wanted to control cost in the program. Um, and so you get a bundle. There's not a lot of new money put into the bundle very often. It's very tight. The people who are taking money out of the bundle to deliver dialysis for services and also uh, various medications or so forth, that all has to come out of the bundle. So there's not a lot of room. There's no new dollars. So you really haven't had any groups or businesses or, you know, just in general, come out with a lot of innovation in the kidney space because there's no incentive to. There's, there's no money there. Um, and the government's paying for it, and it's pretty much locked up into this. So that conversation has been going on for some years now about that problem. And so CMS did create something called the Transitional Add-on Payment Adjustment for New and Innovative Equipment and Supplies. Now, that is a mouthful, and it is called either Tiffany's, if you're with some people, or Tiponies, if you're with others. So, but anyway, this week they finalized um, the final rule that really was uh, going to kind of put how they measured the, uh, devices or, and, and items for going into the bundle through this program to get an extra payment for a couple of years to get them established as something that facilities would use or nephrologists would use. And with the idea that after a couple of years, their usage would pick up and they'd no longer need a special payment and they would just be a factor in the bundle. Um, so ASN and really, um, has been really very concerned about this whole issue and about how we're going to get innovation in there. And so ASN was really glad when CMS created this program and had been really pushing for it to be created. So it was something that ASN really supported and, um, and, and it's, and it's great. The problem is, as they have finalized a rule that has, what's called substantial clinical improvement in order to be passed in order to get into that payment section. And the bar is set so high that many ASN members look at it and say, nobody's going to want to go through that first, go through the FDA process and then go back and replicate the FDA process over at CMS in order to get payment. David, let's, let's stop here for a second, just to do a little bit of an aside, which is, who defines substantial clinical improvement? That's the problem. Uh, it's being laid on by CMS. So, so just so I'm clear, the, the reimbursement part of the government is determining where substantial clinical improvement occurs, not the FDA, which is the sort of development arm, if you will, or the evaluator of developments and sort of bringing products to market, nor the National Institutes of Health and its sort of research function. So I'm just sort of curious why CMS is in this this place. We all are curious, and that's that's our frustration. We're like, what what we've been saying to CMS is this: you don't, this is not your role. Your role is to determine payment. It's not to determine whether or not something should have FDA approval or should be developed by NIH. The, you know, it's it's really duplicative. And, and, and at a time when we're, we're just beginning to see um, some real push to innovation in kidney care. So it is extremely frustrating to see what they did. So where do we go from here? That's a good question. Um, one of the things that there were two different applicants under the program 
that they denied both of them. And one of them they denied on for two reasons. And the second reason was a safety claim of, about health effects, um, which has left all of us scratching our head because FDA had already reviewed that and approved it. So that that may leaves us scratching our head as to where we're going to start this conversation. Do you, you know we're going to go back to CMS, but also we're going to probably need to go to FDA, and that means you need to go higher up in HHS to kind of push the two together. Um, and that's so. That, so that's a really difficult problem, and and we really truly think it needs to be. It's going to need to be adjusted, or else this is going to become the downfall of what was created to encourage in, in innovation and no one can use it and it will become useless. Yeah, and it also makes it less likely that the Medicare program will pursue bundled payment in other clinical areas. And so if we, the kidney community, can't work with CMS to address this issue, it could really have a chilling effect on sort of how the Medicare program evolves moving forward. Exactly, and 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 you know, all of nephrology and ASN have their eyes on the prize with kidney X, and the idea is is possibly a, a wearable, you know, a wearable kidney at some point, an implantable one. All of these advances, and so now we're looking at this going. We really don't think that you're prepared to figure out how to do payment policy if these things happen, and so we're. We're looking at a serious, you know, jam in, in in the whole, you know, the whole system that is going to have to be fixed if we're going to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And so that's what we're trying to figure out is where will be the next step um, and how will we play this card? Uh, it'll probably be played out with many people in the kidney care community. And I, I think we're going to have to be kind of really roll up our sleeves and be pretty blunt about it and work hard. So that's a good transition to our next issue. And you'd mentioned sort of the, the concept of a zero-sum game. And, you know, that's the second regulatory issue in terms of the physician fee schedule. And um, sort of where are we in terms of that process? Well, uh, the physician fee schedule comes out every year, like the SRD PPS comes out every year. And, and it evaluates uh, the fees and particularly the um, evaluation and management E&M codes um, for for our people and so when it came out this this summer and it was proposed it um it, it was it was quite good for nephrology nephrology did well there were increases in the relative value units being factored into the monthly capitated payment um it was leading to greater reimbursement on on several levels including home dialysis um and also they had added uh, 14 esrd codes to the transitional care management codes, um, which are used when you were sent home from the hospital. And this was, this was a great advance. The problem is your, one of your favorite subjects, budget neutrality. And when the government does that, um, you want to tell us your opinion of budget neutrality, Todd? Well, I mean, I think the problem is that, that A, I don't like kind of a false fence around something. And B... I get frustrated when we're not making strategic policy decisions. So we're not setting priorities and trying to address issues. And I feel like when you say that you have to balance everything in a sort of vacuum, you're not taking into account things like the COVID-19 pandemic or potential opportunities to dramatically improve care 
you know, through new therapies, et cetera. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. And that's exactly what happened. So with that false, you know, border box or, or ceiling lid, whatever you want to call it, uh, and budget neutrality for the physician fee schedule, the improvements that were made, particularly for nephrology and, and a couple other categories, um, meant that there had to be cuts offset somewhere else. And so it just puts specialists in particular, but also primary care, fighting against each other in, in a not a helpful way. And so, understandably, uh, some of the groups have become very upset about these, uh, their cuts, and they have gone to Capitol Hill. And their basic message is, can you, because of COVID-19 and everything, can you give us relief from budget neutrality for the next year? Can, can we not... Can we not do that? Can we go ahead and have 2021 reimbursed at what you recommended and or nothing less than what 2020 was? So that takes care of the people who give who got improvements and also protects those who were about to get cuts. Um, and so that has that has led to a big political fight, you know, at a time when no one really expected it to go. Um, and a couple of the big players in the House are kind of going back and forth about what they want to do and, and, and whether or not they... Their particular proposal is the best one. So, you know, in, in the end, what is going to happen is, is ASN and others are going to try to really look after, you know, ASN is going to look after its members and try to make sure nephrologists are not harmed, but also try to be fair and equitable to everyone in medicine. And then that, but that's kind of another difficult fight that it's artificial and just irritates me. And it's going to have to be fought out because I think, um, uh, Speaker Pelosi actually did a letter with like 224 other members of Congress uh, on this subject and the need to fix it. So it's it's pretty certain that when they get to the lame duck session, they in the House will want to put something in there. And the catch is what? Um, and, and you know what that's like. Last minute, lame duck, any kind of thing can get put in there. And you know, if you're if you're asleep at the wheel and you're not there and you're not in the room when the, when the sausage is being made, all of a sudden you go from being in a really good position to like what happened to our pay increase? It's gone. It's just, we got a cut. So we shall see. Thanks, David. That seems like the perfect place to stop, which is we shall see for the rest of 2020. <laughs> I completely agree. And if you figure it out first, let me know.